Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about interest rates and the economic outlook. There's no question that interest rates are going to rise. If you've refinanced since the beginning of the year, you've already experienced this. Bank of Canada raised interest rates already by a quarter point this month, and the U.S. Federal Reserve announced a quarter point increase on Wednesday. This is the first rate increase since 2018. And the Federal Reserve indicated that this is the first of many interest rate increases to come due to the elevated risk of inflation. Question is, what is the real economic situation? And more importantly, what are the geopolitical factors that will affect your business in the coming months and years? The biggest wild card is China. Days before the invasion of the Ukraine, China was seen as partners with Russia in a friendship that knows no limits. And that's almost a direct quote. Philosophically, Russia and China see the West as an ideological adversary. And last week, I spoke with a business owner who sources 100% of his product manufacturing in China. In his words, there was no other option. Our world is fully interconnected, and that economic interdependence is supposed to bring global peace. And for the past 50 years, the world has seen a period of relative peace. Despite all the discussion about economic sanctions, we also know that economic sanctions don't really work. If they did, decades of economic sanctions would have changed the outcome in Cuba, and they haven't. I don't believe economic sanctions are going to change the Russian government's behavior. Wars between the major superpowers have been limited to proxy wars. Each of these wars has resulted in a failure of that superpower that has attempted to subject the country to their will. The U.S. failed after 20 years in Vietnam. Russia failed after 10 years in Afghanistan. The U.S. failed in Afghanistan. The U.S. has largely failed in Iraq. The question is, what would happen if your primary supply chain was to be severed for the next 10 to 20 years? What would you do? If your business relies on construction materials, what would you do? 90% of the hardware for doors in North America is manufactured in China. Most of the sinks, toilets, plumbing fixtures, electrical outlets, and switches all come from China. We've learned that in a matter of days, the world order in which we've relied upon and taken for granted for decades has been upended. The question is whether the central government in Beijing would risk their own economy by having an outright economic confrontation with the West. At the moment, it seems too far-fetched to consider, but we are hearing about direct negotiations between China and Saudi Arabia over the purchase of Saudi oil in something other than U.S. dollars. The U.S. used to be the largest customer of Saudi oil, and today, the U.S. accounts for half a million barrels of Saudi oil consumption. China, by far, is the largest customer of Saudi oil, taking almost 2 million barrels a day. This next period is going to test policymakers and economists. The traditional theory is that an orderly economy will go through natural cycles of expansion and contraction. This is the result of the lag between reactions to changes in supply and demand. When the variables are simple, expansion of supply versus short-term demand, the economist's levers of interest rates and liquidity are an effective tool for accelerating or cooling the economy. In the late 1970s, we experienced a period of stagflation. That was a phenomenon that theoretically should not happen in an orderly economy. It takes an artificial disruption to create an economic contraction at the same time as a cash surplus creates inflationary pressure. Back in the 1970s, that was the OPEC oil embargo. And we've just gone through four cycles of artificial economic disruption as a result of the pandemic. China has implemented another series of strict lockdowns in order to stem the spread of the more virulent Omicron variant. This will disrupt supply of manufacturing goods from China yet again, putting more price pressure on manufactured goods and increasing lead times. We're now going through another round of economic disruption as a result of the invasion of the Ukraine. 
This is affecting more than just products coming from Russia and the Ukraine. It's also affecting shipping lanes in the Black Sea, affecting countries like Turkey. Let's make no mistake, the US, Canada and Europe are going to be spending on military hardware as if we were at war. All wars are inflationary. Every single war throughout history has been inflationary. Even if NATO is not dragged into the conflict directly, the entire European continent is going to be on military high alert. NATO member countries must establish an effective deterrent to any aggression on the continent, and that potential wartime footing means a significant increase in defense spending across most NATO members. Wars are inflationary because governments rarely foresee war as a possibility, and therefore it's rarely part of the national budget. They become an extraordinary line item in the budget, which can be easily justified as unforeseen when explaining it to the voting public. But given the interconnected global supply chains, already stretched to recover from the pandemic, we can expect to see elevated commodity prices driven by higher energy costs. And Playbook says that when inflation rises, interest rates have to rise as well. But we're also going to experience a period of stagflation in the coming months. Economic recovery is underway from the pandemic in most parts of North America. Many small businesses are weak and still lumping back to health. Supply chain disruptions, rising labor costs, and higher borrowing costs are going to all give rise to increased financial pressure. As business leaders, we need to pay very close attention to rising interest rates, to rising prices, and the possibility of simultaneous economic slowdown. That means in sitting on cash reserves for a rainy day would be a prudent measure at this point in time, even if sitting on cash doesn't seem like the best move from an inflation-adjusted perspective. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.